Yavel bang. She shot me down, bang, bang, bull episode, bang, bang. Please rise, bang, bang. Be seated, bang, bang. <laughs> My Harry shot me down. This is the most Tarantino of the episodes we've seen so far, I will say. Oh, God. Oh, yes, you just, yes, yeah. Yes. All it took was you to say, <laughs> Harry, Harry shot me down. For to remind me that Harry also th- threw some weight around this episode that I wasn't pleased about. Um, oh yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how was your night? Court. Did you have a good one? Court. <laughs> <laughs> we did it right one time. Yeah, because that's it was delivered to me. That's true. Ah, hey. All right. Well, <sighs> welcome to Have a Good Night, Court. As always, uh, we have the honorable. H.K. Freiwald. And sitting across from the bench from me, we have two honorables, the Honorable Ash Van Garen and Case oh. Van Heel. Gang, what's shaking? Oh, my me. God. What's shaking? The bailiff. Yeah. Shake, <laughs> shaking <laughs> in your shaking? boots for a good episode. What's <laughs> <laughs> shaking? All right. We did have a good one on us today. Do we? What's the... Uh... The descripti? We're on episode five. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right, welcome to Have a Good Night Court for the fourth time. Fifth time. God damn it. This is a a week. This is a week I'll have it stricken from the record. Don't worry. Stricken from the record. Episode five. We are in episode five. I was going to say, I love every character found itself in this episode, except for the three of us. Yes. Still lost in the woods. Oh, yes. Episode five. Um, Oh, fuck. I forget. Directed by Jeff Melman, written by Larry uh, Belmagia, Belmagia, Belmagia. Shoot, Written by Larry Italian. Um, <laughs> you don't see a lot of Italian writers in TV anymore, do you? Because <laughs> there's no mafia to foist them on anybody anymore. <laughs> Good point. Oh, do you think? All right, we got a night court mafia connection. All right. Neither here nor there. There, this baby came out February eighth, nineteen eighty four. It's entitled "The Eye of the Beholder," mm-hmm. and the description is thus: the others, the others, who's othered here? The others, starring um, that Australian broad. Oh my God, I'm really off to a weak start. <laughs> Mrs. Keith Urban, former Mrs. Tom Cruise. What's her Nicole name? Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Oh yeah. I thought it was Nicole Thurman. That's, I don't know. <laughs> you can't get anywhere with a name like Thurman. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, see, it's, it's your fault with the Tarantino. Uh, it's gotta, on everybody's brain now. You've got to start down now. a rocky slope. But we're going to start at the end and only to get to end at the beginning. We're going to start at the end only to get to the beginning and then cut the beginning. <laughs> literally exactly how suicide squad was we're just repeating ourselves suicide squad man all right the others try to pull bull out of the dumps 
when he's turned down by a charitable organization because his size and appearance are intimidating to others. Fair assessment of the episode. Yeah, definitely. First off, Bull should sue the city. Oh, yeah. Because you can't discriminate against looks. Just even though you're tall and bald and not bald, just shaved of head. I mean, there's so many things to talk about. So let's get let's to that. Let's go Because into I'm it. also like, I didn't know that that existed. Anyway. Starts off with the best shot I've seen of the show. Oh, like yeah. just visually, it was a Movie. really cool pan. It was, it was, it, I don't know. Was, there was just something amazing about this pan through the cafeteria shot as we lead to Dan Fielding sitting at the uh, table reading a um, reading his newspaper. The papers. The and the post. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he is reading the paper and just hee-hawing, just having a, a jaunty laugh. Oh. <laughs> oh, peanuts. Yep, that's, and he says, oh, peanuts, and they're like, I forget, it's L- Laura Wagner, right? It's Lana, yeah. Lana, Lana Wagner walks up and was like, the comic strip? And no, she says like, oh yeah, the comic strip. What are those crazy kids up to today? Like, you know, just. Uh-huh. And he says, peanut futures are up to 280 a gallon or something. I was like, yes. I, he didn't say peanut futures, but that's what I wrote down. Only because the three of us grew up. And the only thing I know about the stock market is not based on the movie Wall Street. It's based on the movie Trading Places. Same here. Which isn't even about the stock market. It's about orange juice futures. So when he said peanuts are up like $50 a bushel. I just wrote down peanut futures. You can read right here. Peanut futures. It says the exact same thing. That's exactly what I want. And I was just like the eighties. Again, that's all I know about financial industry is a fake fictional. The, the, the way they made uh smarmy cause wall street was big in the eighties, but they, the, Hollywood had to appeal to idiots that didn't deal with the stock, not idiots, but people that weren't in the finance industry. So they're like, yeah, we can't talk about the Dow Jones. Just put it food things like talk about banana futures, people like food, like I want bananas are up. The, the speech, Don Amici's speech from trading places. As you open little things, you're like, do you understand? Oranges, bacon. We can buy those, you know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that movie takes place in Philadelphia. It's not even Wall Street. Oh, my God. That's an amazing. You're right. How does that work? Oh, they go to Wall Street. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, you don't have to live in New York to Clearly, have a... it, to the three of us. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he should have been talking about magic, like conjuring yes. a dragon. Like that's how foreign to us this concept is. Is there a deeper joke there? Like. Uh, it's worth peanuts, yet Dan Fielding's investing in peanuts? No. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you can make it a joke and we can work with that, but I don't think it was a joke at that time. Like, I think that's type of stuff. Like, the reason the Trading Places was made and all that is because crops were a huge deal at that time. Like, remember, tech wasn't big. Right. And there were, like, farm, We there were... It wasn't mega farms. It was still like small farms. So, yeah, totally. So it really did depend on the crops of the year, like what would be popular, what would be needed. Like, you know, even if you watch, you know, how many times have we watched like uh, big king corn and stuff like that? Like, it's just changed throughout that time, because back in the day, that was the only consistent thing. Corn. That's why all the corn syrup 
stuff became so huge is because that's kind of the thing that every year wouldn't mess up. You can count on, yeah. Right, yeah, it's true. Now it's tech. Now it's Apple. Oh, (laughs) man, man. And that wasn't now. That was in 1984. That joke would have killed in 1980. That joke would have killed in Fielding's sex parlor with a bunch of... (laughs) No, Bevy but I, I just really, I really liked the joke because it was so simple. It went really fast and it's, it's like, bam, just again, just mm-hmm. one more fielding, yep. you know, notch on the belt, just a, a one liner, just kind of giving his total personality. Now his you're, character is coming to life. You're all dummies. You're all lowbrow. You read peanuts. You read comic strips. <laughs> you, I invest in peanut futures. That's fine. And that's a nice, cute joke to start with Dan Fielding. But I can honestly say... That there's a moment in this episode with Dan Fielding, a genuine moment that makes me like just feel dirty thanks to Dan oh, Fielding. Yeah. Like you, that is sick. Like the delivery, his face, and it's and it's not like a judgment. It's like great work of the character. But I was just like, come on, Dan Fielding, you are a oh, lech. Yeah. <laughs> so the lech delivers the first salvo of many that are coming our way. I so love fielding in this episode. He killed it this episode. I, yes. I, I don't know what Hans is talking about. We'll, we'll debate it later when we get to it, but I loved him every single minute. Oh, every you can't learned. defend the part I'm... There's no defense for the part I'm is talking Is it the about. taco line? We'll no. get there. The taco line's a good line. Oh, I loved it. The next scene, is it Bull on the phone, <laughs> or does he just tell people he's mad? Because no, Bull enters, he comes in and he's he's he in a questions. Huff. He comes in in a huff and he says, "Do I look intimidating?" Yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. So he starts the conversation with a question, like he's opening it to the floor. He's We're moving in the, the story forward, exactly. And he's upset because he has been denied. Uh, his application has been denied to become a volunteer father, which I'm assuming they are using the word volunteer father because. Um. Uh. What's what's the big brother? Or big brother was trademarked or something. Volunteer father fighter. Yeah. Exactly. And he's been pure and simple, straight up discriminated, like eighties yeah. acceptable discrimination. They're just like, you look too weird. You can't be. Uh. And and they said like, well, bull. But what does it matter that you're big? They said I'd scare children. So like yeah, and that was basically that's kind of the punchline. He he keeps kind of dancing around it, and they're like, "We don't understand. We don't understand." He's like, "I'd scare the kids." I'm getting better, especially after viewing this baby a couple times. I'm getting better at suspending my disbelief that Bull is in any way a strange-looking person. Um, but it was hard. I'll admit. It's hard because there's moments where they have to be so big in this episode where Bull's like, do people look at you like this? <gasps> and he makes like a freak. Monster face, and then yeah. literally he makes the monster face. And then literally there's a moment later on in the court where a woman like shrieks at the sight of him. It's like, what? Oh, yeah. Does he just, gag. is there something I'm missing? And he just has a rock and roll in erection the entire time that like, actually is, is frightening. Like- Anytime the camera's off him, he whips his dick out and he's just just pulling that like it's fucking taffy. Well, obviously, this is a sitcom, so they're going to kind of up the ante on on yeah. everything that they do. But I do think I'm I mean, I'm five, two, mm-hmm. so I'm really short. That that man is tall. If I saw him, he would automatically I don't care how he acted, what his voice was like. 
you know, how he spoke to me, how built he was. Anybody that tall is going to be somewhat intimidating before I get to speak with them. Yeah. But he's not that, that tall. If you, yes, when he's standing next to Selma or Lana, it's pretty noticeable. But when he's standing next to Stalin T. Stone and yeah. Dan Fielding, he's only about a foot taller than them. If that. that's all. That only about a foot? Only. Imagine no. imagine being a really tall man and having to look up physically at another man. Like, that's mother tall. It is tall. He's taller than me. But it's, he's not like the Slavic <laughs> slave giant that Billy Crystal had. And, right. And my 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 personal giant. Yeah, he's not going to die of a of a of a small cut up below the waist. Pump blood to his limbs. I will remind you that this is a sitcom from the eighties, and I think we're investing That's a true. little That's too true. much. No, I'm just saying I was able to suspend my disbelief because we've talked about it early on, totally, like totally, having to totally. come to terms, like. He's just not that weird of a guy. Like they're like, well, you don't have to, and and I gotta bring it up, and I'll and I'll let it go because a big part is suspending your disbelief. And I will say, I love this episode. Um, like there's a moment where they're like, well, you don't have to worry about drying your hair, and he's like, I shammy it. I'm just like, grow, grow, grow hair. You can grow hair. You can. <laughs> I feel like this. We're getting to the crux of why, because it's like, why wouldn't Richard Mall come back? Because he spent nine years. Like being called a fucking monster, right? You know, like, like I know he's getting paid, and I know it's a sitcom, but like that's why that affects you. Because yeah. I saw a picture; yeah. he has like luscious, yep. well coiffed hair, gray hair. He's like a silver fox. He's got a full beard. Like yep. he looks like he could play a Norse king. Like he's not a hideous guy. No, and he and I share the same horrendous. Uh, like he looks good now. He and I share the same. I noticed the same horrendous profile, even though he's much larger than me. We're st- <laughs> we are two very soft chin. Bull is just big soft enough. chin, hook nosed indiv- Slavs. <laughs> I will say that. So it's nice to share. So I wouldn't like somebody pointing that out at, at every turn. By the way, can I throw this out for all the criticism we give Bull? Bull has also done another, uh, had another amazing role that I know. And Ashley, either by proxy or or by doing, uh, uh, we can all thank him for. He was the voice of Two Face in Batman the Animated Series. No shit. Yeah, I only know that because of Facebook. Yes, 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 yes. And I was like, no way. And I had to look it up. No so you shit. have Mark he Hamill, Richard Mull. Didn't know that Damn. at all. That's so interesting. That's cool. No, that was really cool when I read it. And you can tell may, like, now. I can hear it. Yes, now that you say that, I can hear it. I did the I same thing. And it's like, I wonder now, I should, again, as I bring it up, I should look it up. Um, as I, I'm sure because he does have like that very like deep, like strong voice. I bet he's done so yeah. much shit. We, we, oh, totally. Uh, everybody that does, that did voice work that made the cut for that Batman animated series or is like the cream of the crop voice actor. Oh, for sure. So I'm sure he's done a ton of stuff that I just didn't even realize. But speaking about his freakish good looks. Yes. Well, we also very, very quickly, we do have to say, I thought it was really endearing that the bull character 
wanted to be a volunteer father in the first place. Yeah. Like they didn't pick something silly. Like I got kicked out of a roller skating rink, you know, which they could have gone. I'm trying to get a mail order bride. And they said I was too ugly. Right. Right. And we'll we'll see. We'll see why they pick that because it does go with the arc of the entire episode. But I really do like that. They chose that. And that at the heart of it, of the episode, the serious thing that we're talking about this week is something just really cute and endearing to this character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was adorable. No, and it'll play into a larger, the larger, a larger scope. theme that I noticed that they're referencing. What fathers? As no, far I'm as bull. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Um, we'll get to it. Uh, Wait, so, anyways, I'm, okay. Harry, Harry comes in, <laughs> and Harry's only frame of reference for bull is. He knew a sideshow freak with two faces. Oh my god, he sure did. Lana's really affected by Lana is a uh what do you call some uh what do you call somebody that uh she's an empath. She's so empathetic. She's no, she's no, I got the other no. thing. What's it called when somebody's only concerned about looks? Narcissist? She's nah, not their own looks, but maybe narcissist, I don't know. She's like she's I mean, disgusted she's- that somebody would be in a freak show. Well, we, yeah, when we got to the Carney thing and she was just like, oh, Harry, I also I want to say in that scene and we'll go back into it more specifically, but it was very much like play banter. Like Harry has the aside, oh, yeah. like yeah. very, very funny. But she just overdid it. Not impressed this week with Lana's acting. My question for Harry, she was, looked good in that blazer. Were you doing in a sideshow? Like, are you from the Dust Bowl? Like, where the like, where are you from? No, but you have to realize that it wouldn't have been in the '80s that he went. It would have been the '60s or the '70s, and that was a huge thing when the carnival came to town. Uh, no, I know he's a magician and all, but no, and and haven't we already? We've already covered and figured out from you know cover the mom history and the dad history that he's certainly not from New York City. He's oh, from the Midwest. That. Oh, I don't know so, about that. So is my father, but he's never seen a sideshow. How do we establish that Harry's not from New York? Oh, with the... I think we just left the Uncle Otto then. had the farming accident and then the wagon and stuff. I just assumed. Oh, I, I saw it more as... Maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, and he's also said, you know, in terms of schooling and stuff and hot run in the car and, and all of this, it's very small town kicks. Upstate. For a kid. I'm going upstate New York. Uh, it's be. a good poll. Yeah, that very well could be. I think that's very valid, too. But that's also very similar to the Midwest. No, I, totally. I that's put, why I said, like, it's still Hilljack. But then also close, you know, I would say the carnival would even be more likely in upstate New York. Yeah, I put my money on upstate because if they had written in or it'll come later, we'll, we'll just, I know we'll get an origin where he's from, but I bet um, I if it was the origin. Midwest, we would already have heard like a folksy like tale or two from Kansas. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He would have done the rose sort we'll of go. like when I from Des Moines, my uncle yeah. Todd. No, I'll, I'll take it back. Uh, it's just, sustained on Casey's All right. on Thank Casey's you. upstate but it's it's definitely not New York City proper he's not a city boy that's for sure so no i think the boy. carnival when he was growing up as a kid gotcha. is completely valid i just took it as he was like that was i just wanted to ask some questions about like where did you see it and or when were you part of said carnival cuz it's interesting yeah anyways that's a derail the <laughs> sorry <laughs> Because I'm I'm taking time away from our 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 
The newest addition to our rogues gallery, Sassy Blind Con Man. Oh, yeah. He looked like, uh, who's that Italian? Danny Aiello. Yeah. <laughs> and I say that as a jerk because I didn't look up who the actor was. Shoot. He was fine. I, it's interesting how um, how it's almost um, um, pandering how the 80s treated the disabled. Mm-hmm. I think that's changed a lot. And I, I'm going to get off my soapbox and just start talking about the jokes here. But it is a little bit like... <gasps> He's blind. No, so they're all hanging out talking about Bull, and Lana is infuriated with Harry and the uh, the fake father's agency or whatever it's called that they would discriminate against anybody uh, based on looks alone. I think she's grossed out by the carnival. She's not yeah. disgusted in the fact that it's cruel and unusual oh, to do right. that to another yeah. human. She's like, ew, gross, a freak. So they're... They're finishing their lunch and talking about freaks and sideshows. And then uh, this blind man stumbles in in like Magoo-esque fashion and bumps into the table. And uh, I forget. He just he can smell their perfume and then he smells. He said, well, how do you get out of here? Where's the exit? And Harry goes, you're looking at it. And he's like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Ah, blindy. Um. And so they start, you know, kind of talking to the gentleman and from his sentences, because they're heightened because he's lost his sense of sight, he can tell that so-and-so smells like this, so-and-so's eating this, so-and-so, yada, yada, yada. And then we get to Fielding, who's lighting up one of his pipes, and the blind man has the gag, someone is cremating a cat. Who's cremating a cat? And then Dan Fielding presents him with the most Snoop Doggy Dog-esque Thick smoke out of the mouth, back up through the nose, back out. Fielding's a real gangster with that pipe in that moment. Oh yeah, you get a you get a plume, a plume of thick, rich, cat smelling smoke. <laughs> Is that right when it cuts to but an intro? No. Um, no. So then, because we don't know who this blind man is, and then the police oh, yes. officer finds him, and he's like, "Oh, I found you," and he's like, "Officer, I found you." Just kind of. Yeah. You know, jokesy and hacky, but essentially telling telling the audience that this blind guy is, has gotten He's away from, from custody. He's in custody right now. But then getting back to your 80s statement, basically the premise of that scene is Lana and the prosecuting attorney are they both with big smiles on their face basically just say, we love seeing handicapped people. No, yeah. it. Yeah, so so then after they take the the blind guy away, the police officer takes the blind guy, they're talking and they're like, wow, you know, it just makes you feel so lucky every time you see a handicapped person. And I, I totally agree with Casey, what you just said, and Hans, what you said earlier. I was like, wow. Who would say that? Like, yeah, what a rando thing to say. Like, I just, I wouldn't think of it that way. But, you know, I, I guess they did. Or at least sitcoms yeah. did. Oh, my mother um, said it all the time. Every time she saw somebody disabled, she just go, but for the grace of God, go we, Hans. <laughs> like, that guy just has a limp. But then it's great because Fielding gets one more in before the credits because uh, they're talking about, you know, having to deal with this and struggling with oh, that. And uh, they're just kind of listing things that they have to, that handicapped people of, of any type have to deal with. And have to encounter every single day that we don't think about. And then Fielding goes, 
Yeah, and all of those great, great parking, parking spaces. Yep. Boom. Intro. Nice. Yeah, it really does set fielding up. It, it, this is, I mean, this is our, we talked about it last episode. Who's going to, we have this cast of characters. We've been focusing on Harry so much. When's it going to open up? And I mean, I would, this is, it. is it fair to call this a bull episode? Yeah. But you, you get, get a strong so many, sense of fielding too. A little Lenny Carl action more happening. Gen- you get more genuine jokes out of Bull and Dan fielding this episode. Like this is where it's kind of the pivot to like, I guess Harry has to be the like the handsome guy. You know what I mean? Like he's the Ross now. Like, yeah. He can be funny, but he isn't he doesn't quite generate the yucks. Well that Harry, they Harry's gotta be the voice of reason a little bit from the character they created, but then I also I was I was actually wondering that because Hans like what I said earlier this was the night court that I really remembered, kind of the more jokesy and the less mm-hmm. my father died before he could see me become a judge type of episode. Um, and I wonder, because we're only in episode five, if possibly there were reviews during the time or even just network executives that were like, we like these side characters, let's ensemble this a little bit more. I think that might just come out of like, like just... You know, it might be episode five, but there's been a lot more writing going on than just five episodes. It probably stems out of yeah. just the writers just going, I think there's more juice happening in we this character. Like, I, I, it's, yeah. it's time to play. Like, I got my outline. Now I can really totally. start. And that makes sense. Whatever it was, I really liked it. Yeah. And I, I love fielding. I don't need a fielding episode as long as we get fielding like this in everybody yeah. else's episodes. Well, I hate to spoil it for you. We're going to get a lot of fielding episodes, I think. That's fine by me. Yeah, so we end the intro and we're back in court and we're restarting the conversation about Bull. Like the fly. That's right. He, Harry's at, at the at the lectern or at the judge's stand or whatever it is. Might as well be a lectern the way he rules his court <laughs> with an iron <laughs> Christ like fist. Because uh, that's what Christ was known for, right? Bringing the hammer down. <laughs> Bring the lecture. hammer down. Yeah. Jesus the hammer, son of God. <laughs> yeah, that's what they call uh, him. Jesus the Nomeal. hammer, son of God. Uh, so Harry's at his thing and then Bull creeps up and just says, don't move. Don't move. And then just hammers hard, just smashes this. I thought it was going to be cockroach because <laughs> I'm like thinking night court. Like if you don't go roach, like you wasted it. That's he a kills good point. a fly. And then he tells Harry, like, it was a fly. I hate flies. And then Harry's joke was, I don't think they think much of you. Which then parlays into Bull saying, nobody thinks well of me. That Not was, even flies. That was pretty heavy handed. No, they, they don't think much of you either. Nobody does. I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. He's down in the dumps. I like that you mentioned the roach, Casey, because this will come back in an actual gag. But it was the first time I noticed looking around the court, again, going back to set design, like crusty 80s New York, like how it looks in that those like documentaries or movies you see of actual 80s New York. Like if you look around the courtroom, they designed it so even the walls are all like cracking and falling apart. Yeah. Like you can literally see like there's cracks going all the way to the ceiling. And then, of course, there's that bit later with Bull where he's picking at the wall and the wall basically just falls apart on him. 
I was like, oh, that's yeah. that's the nasty New York I'm I'm expecting. So it's grunge. So we get into back into the conversation of no one likes Bull. Bull is too scary. And then Harry is like, well, you got to think about how people perceive you. Like, why don't you try smiling? And Bull's response is basically, yeah. Yeah, I did it. I did it once. Didn't didn't really like it. Didn't, didn't care, care for it. it. Didn't care for it. So, yeah. So he also says, Harry asks, like, oh, you know, have you had that? Is that why you get the nickname Bull? And he goes, no, that's a family name. Great joke. Really good Which joke. I, I really yeah. liked it. I really yeah. liked it. It was delivered well. Again, it's one of those quick ones. It's over and done. Mm-hmm. There's not a huge buildup to it. It makes sense. It's funny. It pops moving forward. That's the era of Weegee. Straight up, Henny Youngman. Get those boom booms in there. Yeah. And then Harry leaves him before we get to our first case. Harry leaves him with like, it's sometimes it's about vibes. You got to put out good vibes. Yeah, he's like, talking about body language. Like body language. Like, don't be so menacing. Which is so funny because I made a note that, you know, Harry's totally right. It's it's actually very good advice, um, especially if Bull's feeling like that. But Harry gives off with his own body language the vibe of just like a kid that doesn't care, which is why mm-hmm. I think, you know, in past episodes they've had problems deducing his age because it's not that he looks young it's that he he certainly doesn't act like an adult exactly he portrays himself young like the magic tricks the sneakers the feet up on the desk the so the slouching so it was just really interesting to me your own fucking advice Harry. maybe that's what's so off-putting when i see him pull the hammer down and like toss throw the word contempt around i'm like fuck you it's like when cool teach yeah you're right case it's like when cool teacher tries to when, when he pipes up, I don't like it. Not cool anymore. Stay cool, teach. It's what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. The future's ours. We're going to do a podcast about Night Court. Try and stop us. Even even <laughs> then, won't. he's like, what, that show I watched? <laughs> <laughs> the show I've forgotten about? Uh, so he leaves him with the menacing vibes, and Bull goes off to the side as they're bringing in our... Uh, Court case for the evening, and the woman lets off a blood-curdling screech. Well, because Bull walks off, so so it is one of those things that if two normal humans did it, there'd definitely be a startled moment because they yeah. nearly bumped into it. It'd be like a oh oh sorry, you know oh oh eh, where are you going? Awkward. Yeah. Certainly not a scary situation, but it's the '80s blood-curdling bimbo scream. That's mm-hmm. what I wrote down. The. Yeah. <laughs> Another yeah. 80s Blondie, Landry, oh, man. Turner, whatever her name is. Oh, man. Audrey Hemper. cannot get away from this trope. Because it's the best one. Yeah, I know. Casey. The best in town, please. Casey got a look on his face and started drooling when Licking she walked in. my chops. Call me Dan Fielding. Another Dr. Alien. A sleazy rider. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the sleazy rider. Well, That's not, good. I'll, we'll get I'll there. wear that badge. I'll take it. I'll be the Fielding. The, so we um, got our, our blonde bimbo so bombshell. So we, we've got a blonde bimbo and her, quote, partner, director, pimp, what have you. And basically they're in court for doing, for, for practicing, filming a porn oh, you, we, we, you, in a you public space. The, whole, the, blo- the end of the blood-curdling scream. She screams and once again, then Bill get, and then Bull gets his oh, hangdog right. look and everybody's like, what's wrong? And she her response was, uh, 
He bared his teeth at me. Yeah. And Bull just has to like, I was smiling. It was the smile. Yeah, I but Bull smiling. was also trying to connect four finger to thumb around that old Mountain Dew can of his. <laughs> but be- Take a look. Before we get into the case itself, and I'll let Hans cover the case, but something that really chapped my hide was that we got the 80s bimbo again, and I'm like, okay, whatever, but I get it, you know. She walks in with this guy, you know, they're they're to the they're to defendants, and she's she's still a little shaken up from the the bull encounter. Yeah. And he goes to her, I know, baby, you're an artist. I love you. Shut, Shut up. up. And gets a laugh like you Woo! wouldn't believe. Hee-haw, baby. Wait Shut a minute, wait up. a minute. Our our absent district attorney told me the same thing. He had to, he couldn't be here today. He said, I have one comment for you. When did shut up become a, like a big joke? Cause that in the last episode, they had a joke with bull that was, ah, uh, shut up. It was more like soft and sentimental, oh, yeah, but yeah. it got yeah, a laugh. But he was saying to the Swedish woman uh, and that bothered up. me too. Yeah. And it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't such an aw shuck shut up as much, but it was definitely nicer than this one. But just the, you know, the trope of like pat pat her on the head and she'll be fine. She doesn't know what she's talking yeah. about. Let the man handle wait, this. Wait, wait, I got it. Oh, shut up. See how's that work? Works good, right? If only we could record the face <laughs> I'm making at you right now. But he, uh, is it like Something's is the reason going it got a laugh tonight? Always is it reason it got a laugh is because it's um, uh, it's like. Peg and Al Bundy humor, like they're so scuzzy, it's funny that they're mean to each other. Is the cr- well, yeah, I think is I, the crassness the joke? Like, are we not? Are we so close to that Ozzy and Harriet Atomic Family sitcom that, like, seeing like someone be like pig piggish? No, because like, if if we're talking funny? about Peg and Al Bundy, that's totally different because Peg Bundy holds her own. Like she says the same stuff like, "Oh, you bitch, you bitch, you bitch." And like, "What are you going to do about it?" You will, you know, like she yeah. she holds her wait, own. Wait, Peg wait, Bundy, wait, wait. Al never called Peg Bundy a bitch, did he? Was it that nasty? No, she said I was saying in her voice like, "You bitch, like you complain, you complain, oh, you complain." Oh, oh. No, no, nothing like that. I'm I'm saying that she she can dish it right back to him. That's not what we're seeing in the cases in Night Court when we've seen this. Number one, I do have to say that that actor for that line delivered it perfectly in terms of cadence and how he hit it. I love it. You're an artist. I love it. Shut up. Mm -hmm. Like it was it was really good. Like he nailed it, which makes it inherently funny when you can deliver something like that, regardless of what you're saying. But I think the joke didn't come out of look at these two it was look at the dumbass blonde bimbo and thank god this guy finally shut her up Oof. just yak yak which yakking. again night court get with the times not the be- get with the you. times <laughs> get in that time machine with Keanu Reeves and meet me right here on this podcast to talk about yourself did he um <laughs> Did that actor looked so familiar. Did anybody see who that was? Uh, the, 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 little, the little guy? The little old man? Yeah. No. no. Damn it. He didn't look familiar to me, though. The guy, the defendant. Yeah, he didn't look familiar to me. Hmm. Well, I shouldn't have brought it up because I didn't do anything to rectify the question <laughs> I brought up. So. Oh, yeah, 
Ah, shut up. So we get into why they're there, and we find out that they have been brought up on charges of making a porno in Central Park. With and her and 12 unidentified male co-stars. That's the, yeah, the whole joke is he, the the shut up guy, is like, I'm the director, the producer, the writer, and she's the star. Mm-hmm. To which Fielding goes, along with 11 male co-stars. That's a lot of, that's a big old. 12 unidentified male co-stars. I think they call that a, some, a run in a train. <laughs> yeah, yeah she here... was getting... Yeah, for sure. So I have another question, though. Who I really thought this was going to delve more. Who is Leonard Bloom? It's the guy in the gallery that has a huge problem with all of this. Oh, the one who brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. Does it make sense that he's the witness, yet he's in the the gallows? (laughs) The gallery. The gallowsry. (laughs) I I think it's the city versus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. These two. And he is the witness for the the prosecution. He uh, uh he, so we, he we get the, the story about them filming. They're filming a porno. This guy in the Leonard Bloom in the galleries is kind of a prude. Well, and Leonard Bloom's kind of going through it accidentally, descriptively. Like he's mm-hmm. going. There was pounding and moaning and screams of sexual delight. And Harry, Harry gets it on. He goes very well put, sir. Oh, he likes Harry. it. Yeah. Oh. So so horny we're getting the horn dog and Harry out. Horndog and Harry, and then do we go... To... I think it's Easy Rider time. Oh, right. So she she goes to Harry, and he's just like, oh, she said... Harry asks her, essentially, you know, what's a gal like you kind of doing in a film like this? And she says, you know, oh, well, I'm an actress. I've done, you know... Uh, I, it's just work. I didn't know it'd be like this. And he's like, well, what have you done? And she was like, Easy Rider. With he was Peter like... Peter Fonda? And yeah. she goes, no, we spelled it easy with an e with a Z. Which made me Sleazy instantly think Rider. of the real version, which is called Sleazy, Sleazy Rider. And I had to write it down because it is, we've talked about it on our other podcast, Jerk Practice. It is like just the coup de, coup de crew. It's like the creme de la creme of bad porno parodies. Because it's Sleazy Rider, but they don't do any effort of parodying the movie. I was it's just say, of all movies to plot wise parody like Easy Rider. It just <laughs> like their motorcycle. It takes place. They rented two houses in a cul-de-sac. They parked. They didn't. It's not even a Harley Davidson. They parked one motorcycle out in front of one of the houses, and it has lines literally like, "Well, there's one. This woman's laying on the bed, and the guy just walks in, no pants on, bare ass naked, <laughs> with a shirt, holding his leather." biker pants supposedly biker pants in his hands he just walks in and he goes i got a stain on my pants you think you can get them out she goes i don't know he goes hey you're looking at my dick you want to fuck <laughs> <laughs> and that's all it that's takes so good well really quickly before we go back to bull uh-huh. and we're still on this case by far my favorite joke of the episode happened here which I think may have gone over everybody's head because you've got to be a theater nerd to -hmm. understand it. But she, this bimbo's talking and she's saying, you know, I didn't know what I was getting into. They said it was pap in the park. Thank you for saying that. Cause what the fuck does that mean? Because I know exactly what it means. So like Shakespeare in the park. And it's, 
Yes, Joe Papp is the founder of Shakespeare in the Park. Jesus. He's a famous American director. He started the Astor Theater. You know, he he's contributed such a lot, but especially to New York theater. And he is the founder of Shakespeare in the Park. He's the one that created it. So Pap in the Park is hilarious because Joe Pap was probably an even more well-known oh, in terms sure. of yeah, pop yeah. culture name than it would be now. But he's he was probably more widely known in the 80s, especially in New York. And then obviously it goes into Pap Smear, mm-hmm. which is a gynecological term. And uh, it definitely involves insertion. Yeah. So we got double entendre on peanuts, double entendre on pap. They're going full bore this episode. And I'm not a double entendre here. I'm not bored. You also, you've got to admit, it was that's a pretty funny joke. It is. Now, I, I totally missed it. I think I was writing down some other... Dumb note that doesn't really. Matter. I kind of did a double take when when she said it. I was like, "That's genius. That's really funny." Pat in the pot. I had to rewind Who it because I was like, "Did I hear Pat Pat?" Like I I and I still I didn't get it. Obviously, I feel like a lot of people didn't get that joke though. No, the laugh wasn't huge. There was a laugh, and I think it. The only reason there was a laugh was because the live audience knew because of how she landed it. That it was supposed to be, be a laughing. joke. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Like it's like when you're like, ah, like you know mm-hmm. that it was a joke. You may not get it, but yeah. So, but to someone who got it, I was like, wow, that's really interesting because I don't know anybody else who would get that other than a theater no, person. I totally didn't. I missed. But it I thought really. it was hilarious. Wall of flesh. It was not. Oh, oh no! Yeah, that's good. We'll get there. Well, then, then it takes us. The scene takes us to the hallway. And Bull destroys a water fountain with his monster strength. Was it the water fountain or is the wall? It's the wall. The oh, it was the wall. Oh, it yeah. It fell into the water fountain. That's funny. Yeah, he's picking at the wall. Lana's watching him. And he did. I had a, that's like a funny, just, that shit just gets, I don't know. I don't know how to describe that joke. There's like, you see it constantly. And it's one of those jokes that just makes me laugh every time. Somebody just. Kind of picking at something little and then it all falls apart, right? Yeah. Yeah, because you know what? It's funny because it's true because I'm mm-hmm. that person. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not big or brutish, but I'm that person that just starts like, oh, there's like a thread missing. And then I lose like an arm off of a sweater. Yeah. Like I, it really does happen to me like that all the time. I love those jokes. Yeah. The unraveling joke. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was really, really good. Uh, and then we're back into the courtroom, right? Well, no. I mean, because he's talking to Lana in the hallway. After he busts the wall and he's, you know, um, Lana says, well, you know, I I understand how you feel. And he was just like, one time I broke a bat. Oh, right. Because I'm so strong. And she was just like, you know, I broke. Oh, yeah. I broke one of my dolls. And he's like, over over your your head. head. That's right. Yeah. So it's just going back. And she's like, you know, why all of a sudden? Like, why are you so bothered by this? And, you know, you don't need those father, volunteer fathers. And, and Bull gets very serious. And he says that he wants to have a positive effect on the world that he's yeah, in. He likes that. Yeah. And so you can it's, it's kind of a, a cute moment because you can really tell that this is bugging him. And it's bugging him for a very, you know, not not a personal reason, not, you know, a, a self-involved reason. It's a very selfless reason that this is bothering him. Yeah. 
And yeah, and it should be bothering him because they were just basically like, "You're a monster." <laughs> yeah, They're like you destroy big guy. everything you touch. But then we're back. So uh, and then we go away. into the courtroom uh, once again, and uh, old Leonard. Is this when Leonard takes it away with his screed? Because they're well. This is this is the videotape comes into play. Yes. They claim that they weren't making a porno and nobody has any proof. And then our guy in the gallows says he has it on film. To which case, both Judge Harry T. Bones oh, yeah. and Dan Fielding get a little hot. Fielding about over it. the covers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're the, so, yes, yes. Watching porn together. They're very excited to watch porn together. And it's, so, uh, as the, the Leonard character says he has evidence of them making the porno he like get goes on a on a screed about how it's indecent and he gets heated heated and, and he he basically runs up to punch the the porno director in the face yes and just as he's about to punch him in the face bull catches his punch because he's he stops not only it. is he preternaturally strong he's also fast he's a good bailiff uh so then he pulls the guy's fist up to Harry and they uh, threaten to throw him out of the courtroom, bring him up on charges. He For all the things Harry T. Stone busts people's asses for, this guy, he doesn't even kick him out of the courtroom. So I don't think that's necessary, Bull. This guy just tried to assault the defendant. Uh, yeah, you can go to jail for that. Not on Harry T. Stone's. You just don't get on Harry T. Stone's bats. Harry Stone is should... Harry Stone should be work defending the seven five. All right. <laughs> it's so good. It's true. Uh, we also miss Fielding's nice catch. Oh, yeah. Just another another little popper for Dan Fielding. I love him. So then Harry decides not to bring the guy up on charges. Just ask him to calm down. Then the uh, porno director starts to defend himself, correct? Yes. It's great. In defending, like, what he does. Also, while Bull is sick of people teasing him about his looks and his strength, so these conversations are happening in tandem, and uh, all the porno names are names that can be applied to Bull. So Bull gives this impassioned speech about how he's sick of people making fun of his looks, and the porno guy mentions, like, we wanted to call it Wall of Flesh. And no, Bull no, gets no, mad no. and he's like, I'm no, not a... No, no. No. What no. is it? Well, then someone <laughs> correct me. Uh, so the guy... Yeah, he... you go for it, Hans. Oh, boy. It happens. He says something and he talks about what he wanted to call it. And then Bull misconstrues it like he's talking about him. Yeah, and so he he's, goes, he's "I'm not a wall enough. of flesh." And he goes, "Ooh, I like oh, that right, title." Right. Or no, he's like That's he likes the, the 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 fact that Bull would be named. I think he's trying to get Bull and his Bull in one of those uh, videos of his. One of those dirty movies. Yeah, and he because he the whole conversation starts with the guy trying to recruit him, and he's like, "No," and he's like, "It's very animal," and I'm not, you know. You oh, know that's right. I'm not an animal. And then I'm not a wall of flesh. Oh, I like it. I'm in a human being, and he's just like, "Ooh," you know, kind of. It's a eureka moment for yeah. the porn guy when when Bull himself says, "I'm a, like I'm a wall of flesh." A guy that big's gotta have a big one. 
Oh, Schwanz. Well, you know it from the drawing last week. That's true. He was drawing his big old cock on that drawing. Oh, yeah. Boo. Hung like boo. So then the, the, the sort of capper f- joke on this, they're layering on all these nicknames for how he's a monster and he's this big thing. He physically does the like, yeah. like Frankenstein <laughs> yep. move. He goes, leave me alone. And everybody is kind of going towards him. And he just goes. <laughs> And then he runs out, right? Yeah, he runs out, and, and Harry asks Selma to go after him and see if she's all, if he's all right. Yeah. And, and Selma has her her zinger. You know, I'll, I'll go after I'll him, go. But he's not all right. Yep, nailed it. She's awesome in this episode. And then my favorite line of the episodes coming up from Dan, because are they in judges' chambers? No, they're not, because we haven't decided what's how the case is going to be decide, oh, right, decided right. yet. So, Judge T. Stone announces that he's going, that the only way to figure out if this is porn or not is to watch the video. And the crowd goes wild. The crowd the goes go wild. Crazy. Everybody's hooing and hollering. And then... Classic 80s Harry, New York poll. Going to that mm-hmm. porno yep. theater. Sitting together. And, and yeah, it's like... Fucking Porky's in the co- in the courtroom, and then he says, "No, no, no! Just the defendant, just the defending defender, and the prosecutor." To which excites Dan and the gallows boo. No, but the yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so us. You're a good the, man, the Harry T. Stone. Yep, Fielding nailed mm-hmm. it. Love Fielding's it. like so, I think there's like a mental disorder. Like I guess it's kind of like an ape thing, where like you can't go like more than an hour without masturbating. <laughs> Let's get enough of the field. He loves thing. it, yeah. It's free porno. We don't. They didn't have that back then. They don't have the internet. You can't just get it. You like. Ah, oh, that's a great point. He's tired of his old mags. He's tired of his old tapes. He's like something new, something titillating, unreleased, unreleased, unreleased. And yeah. he's got that weird association because, like, the woman is in the same room with him. He's so, seen her. Oh, like he, he can see her again. Yeah. Gross. Creep. I'm digging it. I think it's great. I love him. Oh yeah. So the blind guy, they're they're finished. the The court clears out, and then the blind guy comes walking in the courtroom again. Oh right, and he's just whispering. Well, Selma, Selma comes back and does say that oh, yeah. he's gone and that he quit. The bull quit. Bull handed in his handcuffs and all of that, and he's no longer on the job. And then Harry says, uh, you know, are you kidding? She's like, oh, honey, I don't have the strength to kid. Great. And then when there's about to be a, mm-hmm. a conversation of like, oh, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? Blind gag gag, which was actually really funny. Blind gag gag shuffles in quietly because he thinks he's outside again. He's like, I made yeah. it. Realizes he's in the courtroom. Kind of does a don't like a, a little bit of a homer and just kind of walks slowly, walks backwards. And then the cop comes in. Yeah. And then to commercial, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Commercial break. Low and brow. Let it be low and brow. Let it be low and brow. Let it be low and brow. And then we're back in the chambers, right? Getting ready to. To watch some fucking hardcore porno. With that VHS in. I think Dan's response, what he said was, and I was like, oh, wow, is it that time? He was like, because he said, Harry, the TV's warmed up. <laughs> oh, did he really? 
Yeah, and I was like, oh, is it from that era of where, like, you turn the TV on, but you got to let it, like, get hot? Is that, like, an old I don't think so. Tale? I think it's just a, hey, it's warmed up for you. Let's go. Right. What I are you don't doing? Know. Come my, on. Well, this was because it was broken. I think you're right. There was a time, like, my friend uh, Carl had an old TV, like, one of those classics where your parents, the, the family TV gets moved into your room, and it literally took just under an hour you had to turn it on, and just under an hour, the picture would start to show up. Really? Yeah. But you got to get that baby warmed wow. up. You got to let her roll a little while. But Dan's just horny for porny. So horny I think he's just, he's just saying all the weird things that weird people say when they can't think because they're too backed up. Is this where he gets the, where he says the line? Because they're, they're trying to talk about bull, and all he gives a shit about is the porno. Yes. And sort of his last sort of him giving a fuck about like bull and like looks, he was like, if you can't laugh at other people, then who can you laugh at? Yes. I have that written down too. He just wants to watch porn. Yeah, but that was, yeah, he said it, but that was in the courtroom. Um, That was kind of one of the last things. This is though, he cares about the movie and Harry's calling reception and the front desk and the doors and security, I'm assuming, trying to find out where Bull went. He's mm-hmm. They're trying to locate Bull. Everybody's pretty concerned about that, except for Fielding. Yeah. And um, they kind of get mad at him. And they're just like, you know, don't you care? And and Fielding goes, I, I love him. I absolutely adore him. But, you know, we've got the porn here and this is my job. And she, who, uh, which one was it? Was it Lana? She goes. I think it was, yeah. It's just a poor, it's, it's a dirty movie. And Fielding goes back. It's a dirty job. It's a dirty job. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. He's porn before bullhorn. And he is, he's, <laughs> he's like posted up on that table, both elbows on it, yes. head and hands, waiting with bated breath, playing with the cassette. Oh yeah. Like, like he's Lara like a cat did a really good job. He's of like, like a little really kid excited. waiting for those Saturday morning cartoons to come on. Like oh. seriously. There's a lot of little kid tendencies here. Bull so is they, like a little kid. Dan Fielding's like a kid. Like they're all like, like sensitive and horny and they're yeah, which is great. That makes it endearing. Like these adults in this setting, acting like uh, fools. So they're all they're all <laughs> avoiding watching the porno because they're they want to help Bull, but they they know they all have to watch it. So they begrudgingly hit play and it's that, you know, that classic joke of like, I don't want, I don't care about this. Oh my God. What is that? So like everybody's into it. Yeah. Yeah. They all, and I, and I, as an Not audience, they're horny, going, but just cause it's they... something they've never seen before. But again, I think you're right, Casey with like, it's hard to go back to that time because in my mind, in the world of like the internet and everything, I was like, what the fuck could they possibly be seeing that they've never seen before? But that was before oh, you had the internet and it could have seen everything. And when, just also, when you think you've seen everything, you see something that's on top of that. Because it's connected to that. Yeah. yeah. But even for right now, even if it was done now, it's a really good, concise sitcom gag. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Like, it's Absolutely. just good. And they they really do nail it with their facial expressions while watching this video. And the head tilts yeah. and movements. Like, it's 
they they really do a good job of and it. They the, hit it nice. The cat because it's a build, like it's a very well constructed oh, yeah. joke. Yep. Because they all build, they all pony off of each other, being amazed, being surprised, being titillated, and it all builds to Selma walking back in. Oh, not yet. Um, because they, you know, they're watching it and they're saying like, oh yeah, that's breaking the law. And then Harry goes of gravity. Oh, yeah. oh right. Yeah. So it's just stuff like that. So the audience knows that this is some crazy acrobatic type porno. Oh, it is 12 guys. And like nothing you've ever seen before. Hans's dad, Ashley's dad, Casey's dad. <laughs> yeah. This is all dads watching this right now. That's right. Uh, and then Selma comes in with the cherry on top. Two cherries. Two best. cherries. Two, yeah, two luscious porno boob like cherries are so I'll do good. the first one and you can take the second one. She walks in and after they all do like define the laws of gravity. Oh my gosh. Look at the way she's bending. Blah, blah, blah. Selma just walks in all nonchalant. She goes, is that one of those blue jean commercials? I was like, oh my God, that's good. <laughs> And then they walk away. They do their own thing. They're like getting more. She gives them the information on a bull that bulls up on the roof. And then she looks back at the TV and she just goes, oh, I've read the book. I was like, oh, that's so good. Which is it's hilarious. And it's still, you know, I remember, you know, in the 80s and during that time, that was Danielle Steele was huge. Do you guys remember Danielle Steele novels? I I never read one, but yeah. yeah. Which they got, they I guess they were pretty, pretty kinky and like, that's kind of like when Lifetime started making movies. Those yeah, were kind of yeah. the first ones that they did. And I remember my mom getting mad because they really couldn't film right. a lot of the scenes. She wanted to see the fucking. Yeah, they, they thought it was it was going to get good. But then even now it's still so fucking right. relevant with Fifty Shades, Shades of Grey. Yeah. It's so good. And that's why people didn't like that movie because they didn't fuck in it. In the, mo- in the movie version? And I remember really? reading an article and it was one of those like vivid video was like, oh, they released Fifty Shades of Grey. They can't show that shit. We're going to do our own. Of course. That shows the fucking. What was it? Was it called Fifty Shades of Fuck? <laughs> I mean, it's probably called Fifty Shades of Grey. It was Fifty Shades with... of Grey, but it was spelled G-R-A-Y, not G-R-E-Y. G- and, and probably one of the, I'm sure they're like Sasha Grey from like Ashley oh. Madison. Like there's a porn star named Grey. I'm sure she was in it. Did something. they do a Fifty Shades of Gay? Oh, I bet they did. And did they do a Throw Mama on the Main Grey Vein? <laughs> oh, that's the best one that. <laughs> Grey Vein. Yeah. Gotta put a pin in that one because that's a conversation for the ages. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes, they made a porno spinoff for a mo- a Billy Crystal, Danny DeVito comedy with eighties comedy evil mom from Goonies called Throw Mama from the Train. They made a porno version called Throw Mama on the Main Vein in two thousand and two. <laughs> like yeah, like I just years later, it's one of those things where all the all of the items all of the facts coalesce and you just go it just like exploded my brain because i used to work yeah. in this like sex shop and i just saw this people title like us you go they're us yes i could have had that job like it's not that hard like it could have been me they i just feel like yeah they were all sitting around coming up with the stupidest names ever for just a plain porno with no theme no nothing and there's like just call it this like it doesn't matter what we call it you know what let's bet i guarantee you we can call it whatever we want Something as dumb as throw mom on the main vein and it'll sell exactly the same. And it did, totally. I'm sure. 
Uh, so speaking of main veins, we got our main vein, Harry. After uh, Selma tells them that bull's on the roof, he sticks his head out the window. And they're like, can you see him? Can you see him? What's going on? He's like, I can't see nothing but a bunch of gargoyles. <sighs> but that one's moving. Oh, wait. One's moving. Ugh, enough of you, Harry. Fucking. He was the meanest one to bull this whole episode. Yeah, Harry's a bully. Harry, I'm telling you. And we're about to get to the real, the real true bullied moment here. So they're talking to Bull on the roof. And I guess the whole concept is like, to me, I'm just like, wow, what a great place to go up and collect your thoughts on the roof. But they're worried. He's depressed. He's going to jump. Right. Yeah. To which he's like, you're nuts. Like, I'm not going to ask him if if he's going to do anything stupid like jump. And he says, you're nuts. But your mind. But then he asks. He asked the Paula Williams. I think that's the actress's name. Why can't I think of the yeah. the character's name? I'll think of it. They, Paula Williams works. He asked the lawyer, the defense attorney, to pretend like she has a broken leg. Or no, he doesn't. He he tells Bull a lie that she has a broken leg, and then he's like, moan. She's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not duping this idiot. She, he's like, moan, or you're in contempt of court. Ooh. To which she moans real quick. Around. I agree. I don't like this abuse of power. And also we missed the heightening of uh, Dan getting more jokes in because they're like, oh, my God, bulls on the roof. Oh, my God. And him unfazed watching the porno, his first of the zingers. Oh, yes. Was, don't tell them the bigger they are, the harder they fall. That was good. Yeah. Liz Williams. Liz Williams. Yeah, Liz. Yep. Thank you. Um, and, and Dan Fielding, his- when they cut to him, he is so enraptured in that porn. Just like I mean, he he owns it. He really he does. Makes me he commits. Really want to watch that porno? Yeah, he, he does. commits. He's so sold on it. I was like, it's so captivating. Do you know what's really funny though? While Bull is talking to them on the roof, and this is something that I thought so strongly about, I wrote it down. Um, you know, when he's kind of griping, he's like, "I just like it up here. I like it up here because there are less people than a man can think." If I would have had my eyes closed and you would have played that clip for me and not given me any indication of what I was listening to, I would have said that was Gene Hackman, which I'm saying it to go back to the fact that appearances really mean a lot. Yeah. Like, and it's so funny that this actor himself, that Richard Mole, has kind of stepped into this glute of a character just because of his size and features Mm -hmm. and looks. And honestly, he could be, you know, he could be playing other things, but now I can't see him as anything but. As only the goat, only as bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just really funny to build that from the episode because I was like, oh, that was delivered really well. And and honestly, it totally does not sound like bull. It sounds like Gene Hackman, like mm-hmm. doing one of his like really, really well thought out and, you know, scripted intense characters. Yeah. Bra. So. Va. I feel like I am a professor in like a like a Berkeley media studies class. And I'm, I keep having to read the same essays. And then I'm like, wait, what is this? Is this a compare and contrast essay on Richard Mull and Gene Hackman? Yes, please. That was yes, deep. It is. I, you took it there. Yeah. Cause you're right. The actors, obviously he landed that once in a lifetime role, but imagine all the other roles. He, I mean, search is search cut out for, but am- couldn't get. Yeah, if you search him on IMDb, I mean, there's pictures of him as like a, a creepy 
kind of like <laughs> yeah Frankenstein type character. But then there's also he's dressed literally as a monster. He's a monster with a, yeah. just like two prosthetic ears on. Like it's so it's just yeah like this guy has been cast like that. It just was it was very parallel right, to the perception. episode itself, which I thought was interesting. I like guess it's all relative, long enough, That's the only thing people will see you as. But I, I guess we're all looking at it as though he wanted to be like, for all I know, like he grew up loving all that shit and it's the most amazing thing that he gets to hustle and yeah. put on, you know, monster makeup and stuff. Like if Sounds he has amazing this, to me. Yeah. Like the way I see it, I was like, that would be, that's like dream job ever. Crazy sitcom. And then I get to play monsters. But again, if if he's probably for all we know, when we finally do our segment on Richard Mole, we're gonna find out he's like Juilliard trained or something. And right, has, he he should have been in the the pep right the and pep that's show yeah. for any type of actor. You know, I don't care what you've studied, what type of commitment you have to it. Anybody would like the opportunities to do what an actor because I've used it, I'm only using this as an example, Gene Hackman has done. No one would say, yeah, really not my thing. I'd rather do kid monsters. Like, I'm sorry. I'd rather be the Doctor Who monster of the week perpetually instead of being Gene Hackman. I don't know. I think I might have to put a ding in here for every time I hear the word Gene Hackman. Do we got a Judy Landers on my left situation? (laughs) I know, right? We got a Hackman crush? Yeah, we do. Hack crush. You want to get crushed by hack. Sorry. Let's go. Yeah. Continue. Gross. <laughs> See, I got porno on the brain. Thanks to field. But back to our monster thing. So they're trying to talk bull, not off the roof, but convince him to come back downstairs and join humanity. And then Dan makes. Oh, my God. You're right. Uh, Dan makes the joke about, well, don't call the Air Force. He'll just swat them down. That's a that was really funny. Really, really funny. <laughs> That's amazing makeup, though. That that looks amazing. <laughs> but he is playing like an undead demon. Ashley just showed a picture of I'll put it up on the uh, the Facebook page of we uh, should Richard ding Mull. the amount. OK, he's been compared to a a sideshow freak. Yep. Ding. Ding. Gargoyle. Ding. 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 Frankenstein, ding. ding. Uh, King Kong, ding. Oh yeah, it's yeah. just so good. The the King Kong one with the SWAT them down. So I loved it. We funny. we both laughed out loud. I like, did too. That was really well. Um, because he also it's it has to be said that Fielding doesn't miss a beat because he doesn't turn away from the porn. He's no, he still, never does. He's just commentary Which we're on what's happening, but his face is still forward at it's the a, TV. It's a build to one of my favorite gags in the episode. So they're convincing Bull to come back and join humanity. They lie to him about uh, Liz. Liz Liz having a broken leg. So there, he's like, moan, Harry threatens to throw her in the fucking gulag. Throw her with Leonard. No uh, food, in the fucking, no water. No food, no water. If she doesn't moan. So she starts moaning, which they didn't use. I thought that would parlay into fielding, maybe getting more into it. Uh, Bull's like, all right, I'm coming down. And there, and there's another joke that I feel like got lost. And there, and you hear them go, no, 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 no. Don't take the shortcut. Take the long way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he's gonna... as if he was going to scale down the side of the building into the window, because he's that much of a, a fucking simpleton. weirdo. Yeah. Uh, and then he he comes back into the chambers, judges' chambers, 
and they are like, Bull, what's going on? What are you doing? And he it just fully admits he wants to abandon humanity. He wants to go to the North Pole just to be away from to people. work at a radar tracking at, station. And that's the radar trap and North Pole. Those are going to be key because I have a, a thesis myself. Oh, my gosh. Which Both is not thin, but we'll get to the final the final cog in my what the writers were doing. So he says, I want to go to the North pole to get away from humanity because humanity is awful. I want to be alone before you get to your thesis. I don't know. Like, I guess I watched this on t- a couple I, different I occasions thesis as if I know what it even means, but it like hit my thesis. <laughs> your the, yeah, your, your, again, your Berkeley thesis to rival the Hackman comparison. Um, whatever that <laughs> statement hit me. In the perfect place, like both times, because I've just been running around the city. And it's happened in mm-hmm. other instances where people talk about it. Or we read that book by Kerouac. I think it was Big Sur. I don't know which, where he mm-hmm. just goes and lives in the woods away from humanity. But whenever I hear candy and or watch pork. like, um, what is that? The Thing? Where like they're yeah, just yeah. in the middle of nowhere working at a radar station. That sounds so appealing to me. I know I'd probably go crazy, but it just always hits me like, God, that sounds good. Just go in the middle of the Antarctic. You and a can of beans and a radar station. Beans for breakfast. Sounds great. Box of books. You're living the fucking Murgis Meredith Twilight Zone life. You're like, I just want books and time. There's time now. Ah, that sounds good. And now, even especially now, let's be honest, now with like, I'm assuming you they have all the tech to get like the internet and all that stuff out there, out there forever. Oh, sure, of course. Anyways, uh, that's my thesis. I want to go live so in the woods. Bull comes back down and he says all this stuff. He wants to leave. He quit his job. Leave humanity. Everyone's cruel to him. They're mean. Uh, uh, the others, as they were referenced in the <laughs> description, try to tell Bull like, no, like don't leave humanity. We love you. We care about you. And they all chime in with their two cents. And they're like, aren't, isn't that right, Dan? Is this your thesis? No, no, this is me getting to the best joke of the show. You got us too worked up on the thesis. What was your thesis? I got to wait till the end. Oh, okay. Well, okay. (laughs) Can I, can I go back to the radar station then? Because I was waiting for you because you said that that was the important thing to your thesis. Fight, 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 fight. Okay, so, well, back to me, I was just like, I thought to myself when he said that, I was like, you know, that's really funny, and I think I know why they specifically use kind of that terminology, like going to a tracking station, so on and so forth, because in the 80s, I remember from so many movies where that was a threat. Oh, right, you get abandoned. Like, like you know, if, if you don't shape up, I'm going to ship hmm. you to the, the, you know, the North Pole, and you're going to be at this tracking station, so... For so it was so, you know, more prevalent then for that to be a punishment rather than it be just a random thing that Bull's saying. He's literally saying in 80s culture, I want to take that punishment like I would like to go and not be around humans. Funny, an example of this being a punishment and happening is in Stripes when John Larroquette gets sent to the North Pole. Pole. That's right. Damn. All right. All right. B- Berkeley, bitch. Minus. Master's degree rescinded. <laughs> Professor has spoken. Nice, Paul. Gloating. 
<laughs> I was really excited when I thought of that. that I didn't even think of that. I was envisioning that no, scene in my true. head when you said that, and I totally forgot it was John Larroquette. But it's really I true, forgot though, he was in, in that movie. That was always the punishment. Like, even if you were, like, a worked at the mall, like, yeah. it was a punishment. Like, I'll find a, uh, like, you You're know. You're going to go to the outlet in Alaska. Yeah, like, I'm sure that was said to Al Bundy when he was in the well, shoe I'm store. Sure, like, yeah. we'll find the one shoe store in Alaska and send you there. Like, it was just that weird. <laughs> Bundy's like a fry wall, though. He would have loved it, which is yes. why they never sent him. No, but you know what Just I'm saying? Give me a pristine toilet place. in the middle so of nowhere. Totally. I forgot that that was the trope threat to send you to the end of the world. Yeah. So him saying that is even more kind of it hits harder in that in that decade than it does right you now. You think for maybe us. part of it was because it's a threat because you're in the middle of nowhere, but you're also way closer to Russia. Yes. So you're like the first person to get squashed. No, I also think you'd go fucking crazy because you wouldn't have access to anything. There's no internet. There's no cell phone. That's not what Hans said. Hans says they have the internet. We have a long way to go in this podcast and we are going to do an experiment. And it's going to be like there's this movie Rocket Man with Harlan Williams. I will go away for one month (laughs) with no human interaction. And I guarantee you I will come back. Like uh, nothing. I won't be a better man or a worse man. I'll have just slept for a month. Maybe I'll have read a book, but it doesn't matter. I can just sit in the mud for a month and that's just, I'm just peaches right there. Oh, and I I say that because there's a great scene in Rocket Man where they put uh, Harlan Williams' character in a, uh, you never thought you'd get a Rocket Man reference here, in a... um, in a depra sound dep- sensory deprivation tank, and uh, he's like absolutely fine, but he like um, entertains himself by like singing songs to himself and like writing stories to himself. And right next to him is another person who's in a the same tank, but can hear through his wall, and he goes <laughs> absolutely insane. And they let Harlan Williams out. They open the doors, and Harlan Williams comes out. And he's like. That was a month. That was easy. And it was only like five minutes. And the other guy comes out like shaking, like. <sighs> and broken. Yeah. Back uh, to okay, so the thesis is. Get, get to the get to the best joke of the show. Uh, so they're all like telling Bull they love him and they're telling him, don't leave, don't go. Everybody <laughs> passed their two cents and they go, aren't we right, Dan? And un- unfazed from looking at the television, he goes, yeah, yeah, I'll take a taco. Mm hmm. It was good. Was it was good. really good. Another, and it's our third instance of double entendre. Yeah, because yeah. you know what? If you don't get <laughs> the dirtiness of the joke, it's just really funny that he's not paying attention. Like, it yeah. still lands, like, without you, yep. you know, getting the, the sexual deviance. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Part Are you saying that it? was intentional, the sexual reference? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I thought I was just a, a gutter dog, a gutter hog. No, it was good company. That joke was insert pink here. Like I took a I don't I think it was like a literary theory class in high school. Me, Timmy Williams and this other guy at our we was one of those (laughs) seating situations where you it was actually the same guy who had to heat up his TV is one of these seating situations where you all sit at like a pod. And I swear to God, for the entire semester, Every single question, this guy's hand went up first, no matter what it was. Like, William Shakespeare wrote, and you go, pink taco? You go, oh, no. 
no, no. And it was our fault because we laughed the first two times he did it. Mark oh, Twain's man. Gilded Age was Pink Taco. And we went, that Pink was Taco. And it was the entire time. So you guys learned a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah. I learned about, uh, you should see, I'll show you my thesis. It's about a clockwork orange. <laughs> <laughs> That's inside for all you jerk practice listeners out there. Uh, so they do that, and then it, Bull is not convinced because, again, Dan proves that humanity is worth leaving <laughs> behind. Um, and then our, uh, our blind crook stumbles in. The old one, blind crook. One final fateful time did anybody have the premonition or the setup and i wrote it and i'm wrong i wrote it early on in my notes i said that guy's not blind anybody else see if it was going I that it way would go there maybe in the cafeteria the first time he showed up i thought that because we didn't really know what the case was going to be i thought that he would be brought back and that he would be the case um that's happening in the courtroom mm-hmm. but after after that didn't happen that completely drifted away yeah yeah and I, you know, I, I just think it's that, again, goes back to that, that old blind guy. They have to have huge ass dark glasses, yep. which is why now I kind of think, oh, it's fake because they don't do blind people like that really yeah. anymore. Um, but I, I forget that this was done in the 80s where that blind meant that, mm-hmm. like you had to do that. So the blind guy comes in right at the perfect time and he's the only one. Because he can't see, is the only one who like, seemingly just likes bull for bull. Yeah, not afraid, not scared. Bull's only friend. <laughs> and this gets back to well, no, Sammy. not bull's only friend. The only the only person that's not friend or foe, not judging him based on his looks. No, that's what I'm gonna say because the whole thing. That's when I I wrote it down. I'll get to my thing. Is that. As soon as I thought the same thing, I thought the blind guy was faking it until this moment when, and I use the phrase, it bull's only friend. It's because bull is Frankenstein. Frankenstein's monster. Continue. He, he does the Frankenstein thing in the scene. His big escape is going to the North pole. That's where Frankenstein chase, or that's where the monster chased Dr. Frankenstein in the book. And it ends where he's alone. The only like the last living thing is just alone on an ice floe. And then in the movie Bride of Frankenstein, the only person that's ever nice to the monster is the blind guy played by Gene Hackman in Son of Frankenstein. Whoa. But his only the only person who is kind to Frankenstein in that movie is the blind man in the shack. That's cool. So that when the blind guy. God, did we go to film school together in the last week? TV school. I was the guy sitting behind you two going pink, pink taco. taco. These two are working in tandem. Don't don't eat this shit up. Orange, more like a clockwork pink taco. No. So when the blind guy comes in and is the only nice person to bull, I was like, oh, they're doing the whole Frankenstein thing. That's adorable. It's good. That's so true. I like that pull. Good pull. Uh, but then it even gets even better. Keep going. Don't stop now. You're on a uh, roll. So the, the blind guy comes in and he doesn't, you know, he's nice to Bull. Seemingly his only friend. Uh, and Bull still is going to leave. Still going to leave his job. And then old Kaiser Von Harry Stone 
brings the fucking old time justice mm-hmm. and turns it up and says he's going to like, oh, people, I got the case file on this blind guy. People been going easy on him. What do you say, Bull? What do you say? We throw him away. You Hans called him a scuzzbag, Bull. You said it yeah. yourself. You can see through it. You don't see him as a blind man. You see him as a criminal, as a crook. You know how the world works. You know how people see people. And totally leans into Bull and is like, Bull, we're going to throw the book at him, just like you said. Yeah, it gets serious fast. Now, as that book is midair, I got to I gotta use the bathroom. I'll be right back. Okay. Bull break. That's really good with the Frankenstein thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah, but what the fuck about Stripes? Stripes is great. Nailed it. No, because I, I wrote... literally didn't even think about it. And I, it wasn't until we were just about to start. I was like, "That's motherfucking John Larroquette," because they're too tall. Because he's such a skis, like a yeah. snivelly little weasel in stripes. I didn't even think about it. No, but you, I totally didn't. I didn't pick up on the like. But the, it is the North Pole is. The they stranded. fucking said that all the time. I was like, "How many movies did I own?" I love that you and I keyed in at the same moment, but on the two different on two different plans. Yeah, because they said North Pole, and I was like, North Pole, like that's. Like Frankenstein. Frankenstein. And I had written down, Bull is Frankenstein. And then it just kept coming up back and back. So then when the blind guy was his friend, I was like, this is... Oh, Bull's Frankie. Bull's Frankenstein. Or the monster. Bull is Frankenstein's monster. That's... Frankenstein is the doctor. He's going to edit this out. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. He's going to leave us patting ourselves on the back and on the podcast. <laughs> like if he fucking leaves this in, we're going to look oh, like yeah, assholes. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, remember, uh, when, so remember when I knew the name of Joe Pep? Uh, c- congratulations on that poll. You're very... Uh, Casey, I, I very much appreciated it when you figured out that... Uh, well, he's definitely le- leaving it in now that you've said, I think he's going to cut it. And Why wouldn't talking. he cut it? it? It's boring, too. Oh, no. Cutting it, you guys scumbag it. Now is it somehow associated with uh, French he gets connection to take the or something? Out of our pink tacos. No, I just, I honestly, I just, it's not a pat on the back. I just really get excited anytime I can talk about stripes. She gave herself her own diploma at her own graduation. Well, I no, do, I, I do I like that you gave... brought up stripes because it is a nice, not for this episode, but it's a nice ease into John Larroquette's illustrious film career and one certain movie. What's it called? Full House? What's it called, Casey? You remember? Fuck yeah. It's like the Nut House or something? I don't know what you're talking about. I'll do a story all about... It might be a side. We'll have to watch that movie because it is terrible. It's a house guest or... Something, yeah, like... He's got like the 90s mullet, as I recall. Like... I can't... Yeah. My house is full. My house is really plump. I'm serious. I, I we wrote a song for it. We just watched this movie, or I I for, we watched this movie, and then I watched it again and day drank for like nine hours. So by the time Casey and Timmy got home, oh my god, madhouse, madhouse, yes, living in a madhouse. Oh, written this song, so they just walked in with Kirstie Alley. Probably it's been a long time, and it was a it was a blackout time. Money Pit is that what it is? I forget the even the plot of it. My house is full. 
Mark and Jesse get blindsided by an unexpected visit from Mark's cousin Fred and his pregnant wife Bernice. The family reunion is suddenly extended from five days to six months after an accident renders Bernice bedridden, and Mark and Jesse's life is slowly turned upside down by a seemingly never-ending stream of house guests, including Jesse's neurotic sister and her obnoxious son. Wow. Madhouse. It can't be... Any worse than I had no idea this movie existed until Ashley told me about it. You, if you, Uh. there's no way you've seen it. It's called Neighbors. On paper, should be an amazing movie. Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd, and Belushi. And and Belushi. Yeah. It's not the. It's not the Zac Efron new Neighbors with Seth Rogen and shit. I can. I can picture the cover of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so good. So here's the thing. So Belushi plays the straight man. And I'm just going to leave that there. That should just say everything. Um, But my dad and I were so gosh darned excited to buy that movie because this is before the age of the Internet when you can order whenever. Right. We were calling video stores and things like we had put in order he had put in orders like months ago he wanted this movie he had never seen it we were such belushi fans we're huge ackroyd fans too um and we got this movie and long story short it's one of the worst pieces of trash i've ever seen in my life going berserk a little bit of backstory they switched roles ackroyd and belushi switched roles like Two days before filming started, and it shows, and I didn't know that until much later in life when we had the internet and I was able to research how bad this movie was. It was literally one of those movies that I found online and made Casey watch because he couldn't possibly understand how bad it was until he watched it. Mm, that's hurts. simple premise. I sat obviously. through it twice, it's neighbors, so I could share the misery with someone else. Uptight neighbor, uptight straight lace neighbor, and then wacky cousin Eddie esque shysty neighbor. No reason, no reason to go Ackroyd over Belushi on that in, in that instance. No, it's but they big timed just... it. They went, no, no, we're switching before we film, and you can tell. You can tell the choices do, are not thought out. They, I mean, they try. They're working. Mm-hmm. They are working. But when you can see that someone's working, it probably ain't working well. Sounds like one of those coked out ideas at that SNL bar they owned on the Lower East Side. Probably they're like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna fucking switch. Fucking let's bro. just switch. And then some. And Still you know what? They were joking. And then somebody said, "That's the stupidest thing ever." And then their big dick in it was like, "No, we're gonna fucking do it." Oh, you don't think I'm serious? <laughs> I'm an artist. I'm the bumblebee from SNL, motherfucker. Oh, you ever hear that God. story about, I've heard it a few times in history of Belushi lore and SNL lore, that Belushi would just get like messed up and then just walk into whoever's house, strangers' houses, and just sleep on their couch and everybody was cool with it. I just don't buy it. I don't think so either. Now that we're talking, like we're steeped in 80s New York, yeah. like I can't see like eight years previous like it being cool a stranger shambles into your house and you're like it's the guy from tv it would be like hey i fucked up last night Hans. i shot that guy from tv exactly yeah <laughs> and you didn't fuck up you <laughs> i got my chucking sticks i fucking cracked his head up with a chuck a stick <laughs> exactly fat fucker breaking into my house i don't care how famous you are <laughs> samurai where's your sword fucker plus he wasn't just like goofy uh um He's like Mayberry stumbling in high. drunk. He was stumbling in 
coked out and energized and not like fun John Belushi with a distance oh. of television away, right Can up in your with face. My wife? Bad breath, coked out Belushi. Uh, sweaty, angry. You know my salami? Yeah. Where, where, what is, where, what happened? Where are we? We, we're, so, we're living in where, a madhouse. What the fuck did we get we're to? Oh, madhouse. Madhouse. My house is plump. Like, My house is really full. Really I'm serious. <laughs> we're living in a madhouse. We did live in a madhouse in Brooklyn. Oh, we were. So, Hans, you were kind of going in on Harry for being so so harsh. Yes. Um, it. Uh, I, I got his tactic here. The more the more harsh I was 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 on Harry T. Hitler T. Stone with the way he was throwing his weight around with his friend, quote unquote, the um, defense attorney Liz. But here I, I saw what he was up to, throwing the book at old Blindy. Uh, and then it gets Bull into changing as Harry's leaning into him and getting him to admit, like, we should put this guy away. Are you right, Bull? Humanity's awful. Like he shouldn't. We shouldn't go easy on him just because he's a crook. Yeah, he's bad copping. Bad copping. And then mm-hmm. Bull, Bull, Frankenstein's monster, Shannon, that can't abide. He's better than that. Say the line. He's better than that. Can I have him? Can I have him? Can I him? have him? Oh. Bull adopts a full-grown blind Jewish guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like... I had to laugh. I was like, this is endearing, but l- this is ridiculous at the same time. It's Here's amazing. my That's theory what... on Bull, and See, maybe those listening out there might get where my theory's going, because I'm not going to complete it. I'm going to leave it out there. I think Bull had a head injury when he was younger. He's clearly a bedwetter. <laughs> He's abusive to animals. He was sexually <laughs> abused nothing, by his aunt. <laughs> Just saying. Potential, He's and now old. this blind man is going into a uh, uh, an old mudget style den. Oh, that couch he's sitting on made of made of skin. skin. Yeah, got a belt of nipples. Oh my god! Oh god! Yeah, the toupee made out of fingers. <laughs> that's the best one. Oh, that sounds like that'd be in a Garth fingers. Ennis comic. A finger <laughs> toupee. No way. No doubt about it. Crossed. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Uh, and then we are left the the Harry lets this old man get taken by Bull to be roomies. So essentially, in, in terms of the legality of it, is that Bull has essentially said that is the jail. I will take responsibility for this individual and basically try to decriminalize yeah. him um, and help rehabilitate him in society. So he doesn't commit these crimes anymore. And the the blind guy is touched yeah. by it because someone cares by, about hope- him. Bull is, you know, obviously appreciates having that, that thing to do, yeah. that thing to contribute in the world that he was looking for. I hope that blind guy likes living in the bottle bottom of a well and moisturizer. <laughs> exactly. That's his fucking future. <laughs> so okay. they get the, sh- the shift. Bull gets the blind man off. We realize they're, they're we're there, right? They're they're friends. Yeah. yeah. True, true we're- friends. And then they leave. Uh, the well, for, first, Bull Bull says to Harry, like, kind of like, I know, I know what, what you did there. Like, I, I see you, and 
and uh, and yeah, there's there's a little bit of witty repartee because Harry goes, "It's my hobby," and the blind guy goes, "Really? Mine's collecting stamps." And Bull and says, Bull says, "I wish I could see him." So do I. That's your your Shecky Henman. That's for sure. Oh, man. But then then, then, from that one-liner, we go to the grossest one-liner of our first episode attached to a face where they look to Dan Fielding. And every time I watch that, I was just like, I don't like it because he doesn't because he's too good of an actor. Because I just they look at him and he goes, let's have a cigarette. But the face he does. He's finished watching the porno. I'm like, that guy came it's in his pants. Came yeah. in his pants with oh, a room yeah. full of individuals having conversations that, around him. Like if a cat was a man, like just that like mm, that languorous stretch and he's like Ugh. You can feel it in his Ugh. I need a cigarette. Okay, yeah, he did it gives not me the, look like that. It, I'm oh, looking at you. No, he I'm did. looking at you right now. Well, then you weren't looking at the TV. Yeah, it didn't. It's not like he was just like, isn't that a funny joke for me to say? All of his body movements and everything just said. Oh, yeah. No, he he nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, because he he knows what and it's he like. He nailed to... that pair of jockey shorts to the inside of his pants. I love exactly. how great would it be if it was we're just totally missing out on like the e true Hollywood story. John Larroquette and this was in his heyday. And like he requested that he actually be watching a porn so it could be oh, yeah. real throughout the, the throughout like, filming. He made all of the female like all the actresses uncomfortable because he's like, no, we watch real smut. <laughs> it's method acting. Ugh. Gross. It was gross, but gross was, in the best way. Bill O'Reilly over here. Ew, gross. <laughs> oh, I wonder if there were any scandals on the set of Night Court. Got to get. I'm sure people have been dishing dirt. With all I hope those not. Floozies they're they're bringing in there had to be something. Oh, floozy. Carla B. Carla B. Mm. Hey, what happened? To, I haven't seen Carla in a while. We haven't seen Carla. We haven't seen Terry Kaiser. Uh, Carla has an episode coming up. I saw it on the on the rundown. Did you say Carla does? Yeah, Carla B. Specific because I was like, is that Carla B? Because it's just a picture of the actress, and I I read the synopsis not to get ahead, but we get a Carla B. Full, fully, nice. a full on healthy Carla. Nice. Um, uh, so we get uh, a nice little little button on the episode. We are back in the court. It's emptied out. Amazing, uh, so, amazing. So tear, tears kinda, for a yeah. bull. So yeah. good. tears for a bull. This is this is a really good scene. Uh. Selma is like clipping coupons or reading the post. She's smoking her Newport. The, that's reading right. the paper. And did you see that ashtray? Was it like a hollowed out book? It was. Yeah, it was like a hubcap. Um, so she's smoking <laughs> and reading uh, the newspaper, and Bull comes in to tell her like he's back, and she says, "Don't ever do that to me again." Don't you ever? Leave and she's me. poking yeah. him. Yeah. She's poking him with her finger, and she's so tiny, and the he's true so big. Monster, yes, of oh. the night court, Selma. She loves him. Poking bull, and uh, let's go get a beer at Muldoon's, which is my favorite. I don't know why. It's your turn to buy. Let's go to Muldoon's for a beer. But then they walk away, and she puts his her arm around him, and he puts her his arm around them, and you get a. I thought we'd get a bigger. Oh, just a slight one, but just enough. And then he told her to shut up. 
Yeah, then he slowly took her, pushed her down a set of stairs. <laughs> lifted her shirt. <laughs> he lifted Selva's shirt, <laughs> g- grabbed Dan Fielding's cummy underpants and tied them around her head. <laughs> and we're right into... Put, uh, put on his finger toupee and rode his bicycle home. <laughs> yes. So, before we give this baby its gavel bangs, I have a... Surprise witness to the court. Uh What? Hear ye, hear ye, from the gallows, we bring... Oh, never mind. I guess I'll edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know what? I won't. I won't. Well, what was supposed to happen? Well, Meg watched the episode with me, and she uh, did not like it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! I really liked it. I well, let's get into gavel bangs. Ash, I take it back. Bangs. I I think more so. She just doesn't. <laughs> I think I think it's guilt by association. It's the fact that I like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Huss, what did you think? I loved it. Well, I gotta say, I hated it. I'm gonna give this bad Larry eight gavel bangs. Nice. Yeah. I really feel like we're hitting our stride. I'm I'm really really excited for the upcoming episodes. I thought the jokes were clean ne- uh, and clean by I mean crisp, yeah. not clean as in you know innuendo. Well, they weren't clean. They weren't clean that way. Those cummy purple they were, jackies. They were they were they were quick. They were nice. They were funny. They were, I really loved it. It moved and I liked that there was there was a heart to the story, yeah. but we didn't go was it wasn't too serious. We didn't go too serious on anything. I go Larroquette scale, nine comes. Nine in those purple Calvin Kleins. I With his g- name written in marker on the back. I would go higher, but it is so early, I don't want to set it. To- so I'll, I'll, I'm going to give it an eight with you, too. It was definitely my favorite episode thus far. I give your two yeah. duly theses. I'll give that a nine. Your, your Hackman Frankenstein... Your Hackman, Hackenstein. Hackman Frankenstein, Frankenstein, Frankenstein of an essay, a little PC. I don't know how that body, that body paragraph. You got, you have to have some, you have to have some transitions in between those ideas. Well, you got to give right. extra credit for the Larroquette pole, stripes, and the North Pole. You're right. You managed to string that last paragraph and the conclusion together with some of that uh, fielding jizz serum. Panache. Yep. So we got eight gavel bangs across the board for yeah. Eye of the Beholder. And there was beauty in the this eye because it was a good one. It was a beauty. I have a question before we end it. Please. <laughs> the the character that, and I'm going to say it, we haven't fleshed out as much yet seems to be Liz. And I know from research that she's not on very much longer. She isn't. I think she might have one more to go. Uh-oh, we're on a clock? And she's already a replacement. So she's a... special teams. That's true. What do you mean she's so, already a replacement? The pilot, she wasn't in. Who was yeah, in the she pilot? replaced the, the hot 80s lady, the nerdy one that we were like, she's going to have a scene where she lets her hair down, and then we were like, ah, that, she's gone, never mind. No, 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 guys, Lana was still in the first episode. The, the 80s lady was the defense attorney, got replaced by Paula Williams. Yeah, that's who we're talking about. The defense attorney? 
Yeah, yeah they both Liz. get replaced. Lana and Liz both get replaced. I'm talking about Liz. Oh. I'm particularly talking about Liz and the fact that Liz is only on for this season. Well, and Lana gets replaced by Mac, and I believe Liz gets replaced by Marky Post's character. Oh, is that who Marky Post takes? Yeah, because every time I talk about Nightcore with anybody, the first thing that comes up is Marky Post. Like, I guess she's the the um. She was the standout of this series. Oh yeah, just just uh, and you'll find out why if you just Google search her. It's just her in a bikini. Like that's every picture. Oh, all right, that's that kind of. We got a real well, no, full on ditzy blonde. I think we're you know I think we know a little bit more about Lana, but now that we brought it up, yeah, I, I guess the females are the the least characterized right now, the least in depth. Yeah. Um, but it's sad because I really like Liz, and whenever mm-hmm. she has a line, like they write for her very well when they do it. Yeah. It's just very rare that they do it. And so I I'm just looking forward to I hope to see more Liz before before yeah, we get don't get her episode. anymore. Well, I got to tell you since we're on the 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 sadness train, I know from just the history of watching it growing up, our our beloved Selma did not make it through the whole series nope. that's for sure See, that makes sense because i don't remember selma from this at all from when i was a little kid and that's that make kind of probably makes sense to me i probably wasn't watching it well, yeah for me as a kid it was like if i caught an episode i you know you just make weird associations you're like it's kind of like cheers they both had a, old people that died in them Oh, because Coach was in. He Coach. died. The actor died, just like the actor actress Selma died. So they had to take get rid of the character. I didn't know the actress Selma died. I thought I didn't she, either. No, wow. she, no. I doing the research there. Oh, this is. Oh no, this, I'm really sad. I Selma, said anything. Selma Diamond, the actress dies. I believe they replace her with another sassy older actress. Whom dies as well? Oh my god, that's not funny. But it's so like that's crazy. why they cashed uh, uh, Marsha Warfield. Uh, that's not her. Yeah, is it? yeah but yeah, you're close. Uh, because she was young. I don't blame funny. them. So they were like, we're we we don't want to be the show like that that show that keeps casting these older actors and actresses and they all die that Jeez. we have to kill off. That's horrible. Of god, course. someone. Say a dick or fart joke. I'll have a taco. I'll Let's a have a cigarette. Too, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have a good night, Court. Forever. Oh, stop. Yeah, this was our. This should have been a Halloween episode. Monsters, <laughs> dead bailiffs. Monsters, dead bailiffs, yeah. Isn't Halloween next? Um. Maybe no, I this don't one know. was in February, Hans. You said this. Oh, that doesn't matter because we got Christmas in January. So no, we're still in February, guys. I, I see the the lineup that I've like a prison cell have written on my wall. I slowly <laughs> cross off one episode <laughs> each time. Hold it. What's the name of the next episode? I could have sworn that it was like Halloween or something. It's called Death Threat, Episode Six. That's oh, not- that one looks good. I read the description. Yes, it really does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Yeah, well, for next week. Let's save the death talk for next week when Harry gets assassinated. <laughs> oh, man. Grassy. It, on the grassy bull. <laughs> <laughs>
right, guys. Have a good night, Court. Have a good night, Court. The night is long and full of weirdos. Oh, it was a ghost the whole time. Case Cummy Underpants 5 in the books. Write it and sign it. Clarence Thomas Darrow. Boom. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, uh, of course, uh, if you like the episode, please subscribe to the podcast. Download as many episodes as you can. You can always delete them. Uh, check us out on Facebook at our other podcast, Jerk Practice. Check that out on iTunes and Google Play and Facebook, The Jerk Practice, at Jerk Practice Pod. Just doing these little things, guys. It's all free. Helps more people find the podcast. It helps us grow a bigger community. And then we can talk about these cummy episodes together. Two cummies? I don't know. It's a, That's a hacking, Frank. Anyways, I'm going to have to record this again. Or not. You know what? No surprise witness, no double record. But boom, boom. Gavel bang. I've decided I'm going to go away and not associate with any other human beings as long as I live. Whoa, boy. Now that's what I call a decision. Oh, you can't do that. Who's going to stop me? Boo, where would you go? I mean, what would you do? Canada, maybe. I could be a lumberjack. Or I could go up to the North Pole, one of those radar tracking stations. I don't care. People won't have to deal with me, and I won't have to deal with them. Which, as far as I'm concerned, is good riddance. Amen. (laughs) Who are you? My name is Foley. Ralph Foley. Shut up, Ralph. (laughs) Right. Night court.